Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor podcast. My name is Crystal and I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. For those of you listening to this episode right now, this episode is going to be a little bit different to what is typically on the Gentle Counselor podcast and that is because back in October we had World Mental Health Day and I had some lovely friends come together as guest speakers in a private group called the Aussie Mums Mental Health Virtual Event. So the format of the episodes are going to be a little bit different, but you're going to hear back the replay of my interview with the amazing speakers on a variety of topics. So stay tuned for these episodes because they're packed full of goodness. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Why is there no, like, filters on live? <laughs> I know. I need that in my life. In, in, I'm so pale. Instagram has them, but Facebook doesn't. But you look amazing. I Don't know. I'm like, uh, where's the filters? <laughs> Actually, I think that we're all starting to get Tan me. the filters now. And so when we sing our normal yeah, face, we're like, oh. So <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, Totally. No, you look amazing. Please don't feel like you need a filter for us. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't I just had a nap, know so. Jamie, um, her uh, Instagram handle is This Is What I Doula. She also has a Facebook page if you want to check that out. Um, and Jamie's a doula and a hypnobirthing Australia practitioner. Um, and really, oh, I don't know how to summarize you, but I, I know that you're really passionate about making sure that mothers understand that their birth is experience is important and it matters and so I know that the topic today on the effects of birth and postpartum on mental health is such an important one to talk about because um yeah so yeah I'll, I don't know why I'm still talking I'll let you keep talking <laughs> yeah no no that's all right I am super passionate about that and I think that prevention is better than cure um, and going into pregnancy and birth and postpartum um, with a plan of, you know, plan of attack um, is what prevents trauma a lot of the time. And that doesn't mean that every single birth is going to be a positive, amazing, beautiful, like, you know, this perfect experience. Mm. But there's a difference between being disappointed and upset at the way that your birth has gone than being traumatized by the way that your birth has gone. And um, yeah, that, that's really what I'm passionate about is stopping that, well, helping to stop that trauma um, from occurring in the first place. Yes. And I like how you say that is that we're, when we're doing this, we're not expecting everyone to have the most beautiful, magnificent birth experience because things happen and that can create challenges. But I think what's important is at least um, having that like postpartum plan, I think is what you called it or someone else called it it's like we have the birth plan but we should also yeah. have a postpartum plan so that we can work through all the different challenges that come through that as well like Definitely. not only with the like pregnancy and if you have challenges not only with birth and if you have challenges but then you know we have the fourth trimester or just general parenthood <laughs> like, <when laughs> yeah. we have all these the fourth trimester yeah. goes forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the fourth trimester is just parenting. No, so it was, um, I, I had a I had a post the other day that I was in a parenting group 
Um, and a mum was sharing her experience of planning for her postpartum. And she was from, uh, she's in Australia, but she's from a different culture. I believe she was Malaysian. Um, and they have a very different way of looking after postpartum women in different parts of the world. Uh, she was talking about, you know, a healing diet and how she's done these meal preps and um, she's hired a cleaner and she's having belly binding done. And, um, you know, she has all of these plans for postpartum and she was laughed at. She was, she was literally laughed at. But in three months or six months' time, she's not going to be the mum that's on there saying, I can't keep up, I feel so depleted, I'm so tired. Um, my partner's not helping me. I've got postnatal depression. Um, you know, she's much less mm. likely to be in that category purely by doing this postpartum planning. So um, the postpartum plan is so important. And I think it's so much more important than planning a nursery and going out and, you know, doing all these research on prams and cots and all of these things, which if your baby's anything like mine, they don't use anyway. Um <laughs> this is my nursery my nursery um is so that yeah I, I, i'm pretty sure that's what i used it for of course <laughs> yes it's actually empty at the moment so um yeah it's it's hard uh especially trying to explain that to first time mm. mums i think second time third time fourth time mums get it they're like yes i wish i had have done this i wish i had have done that but then there's this motherhood, um, like martyrdom, that uh, it's like the the worse off you are, the better parent you yeah, must be. Yeah, it's a competition, but it's and a say, bad competition. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you say anything otherwise, it's oh well, you're lucky. You're lucky that you did this. You're lucky, and it's like no. And it's the same with birth. I have a recent client who was t- talking about her birth story and how how amazing her birth was and how empowering it was. And every time she said it, she was told, oh, you're so lucky that it went like that. And she's like, no, I worked my ass off to get that experience so that I had an easier time, you know, moving into parenthood, moving into motherhood, moving into all of these, this new stage of my life. Um, but it's, it just, we seem to be in a cycle at the moment where it's just, uh, it's like the worst story wins. And isn't that ridiculous? It, it like, shouldn't be like why that. Why are we not building each other yeah. up? Um, you know, I think yeah. we were t- you and I were talking about this the other day privately. We were talking about the sisterhood and how whenever you see negative comments yeah. towards women, a lot of the times it's women and we're just being nasty to each other. And I, it baffles yeah. me that people were giving that mom a hard time that had the postpartum plan. Um, but then really, yes. then the psychologist in me is like, okay, let's unpack that. What's really going under the yes. surface of these people? <laughs> and a lot of it you'll see is ego yes. and uh, jealousy and guilt because they probably wish they had it. Absolutely. Or if you're someone uh, that comes from like a privileged place where you had the finances or you have the support and if people don't get that, that triggers them as well. And so then you've got everyone getting triggered around you yes. just because you decided to live your life your way. <laughs> and projecting. <laughs> projecting it onto everybody else as well yeah it's like oh well why should you have it easier if I didn't have it easy and you know I I, there was a couple of comments that were like are you having twins or something or are you a single mum like why do you need all that I'm like why do you not need all that like (laughs) like far out my postpartum plan is like that was done before even thinking about my birth it was the first thing 
that I booked when I became pregnant this time. I was like, yes, I need postpartum doula. I need all of this care. Knowing what I know now from my first baby, I'm like, yes, I was lacking all that support, but it's going to be a completely different story with another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, as I said, it's, it's kind of hard to explain that to a first-time mum. And I think that first-time mums, you kind of expect, you, you still expect all of those people that are around you now yes. to still be yes. around um, when really after the first couple of weeks and after the, you know, that newborn um, stage kind of goes, then everybody tends to follow yeah. and, and it's, you're just like left really isolated and alone. I was um, just about to say that. It's, and, it's like yeah. everyone puts you on a pedestal when you're pregnant and it's so exciting. And um, I had that, yeah. especially the second time around, I had so many friends and family members um, telling me that they were going to come over and do all these things and cook all these meals and clean the house. Yeah. And my second time around, I was actually like seriously telling people, yes, can you do that? And then do you yes. know what happened? Like zero. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And that's not even me. And it's always let me know. Like, I'm not having a go at yeah. them. Like, yeah, of course. It's more like that's just highlighting one of the significant issues that we have. And unfortunately, yeah. we live in a society where we're not growing up in tribes anymore, where we're all together and you would have just naturally had everyone right there doing that with you. Yeah. So, um, and you have, have yeah, you'd have these, you'd have, you know, everybody's kind of looking after everybody's children and, you can go and stand next to another woman and do your washing and talk to them and debrief and talk about how bad you're sleeping and talk about how hard, you know, feeding is. And like, you can, you can have that interaction when now we just don't it's, and especially now, like, especially now. Um, It's yeah. We just, we just don't have, you know, everybody talks about that village, but it really is. We just don't have it anymore. And that's, I, I think that that's the, the plus side of social media is that you can still have that kind of village, but then the downside is that there's no filter. There's everybody has this kind of anonymity where they're like, oh, well, whatever I think everybody needs to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, um, I am starting to see more and more positivity around um, birth planning and, uh, and, you know, antenatal education and your rights and all of this is so important before you even get to the postpartum period. Because if you're depleted and you're traumatized and we know the the statistics are one in three women are leaving birth with birth trauma. And that doesn't necessarily mean physical trauma. Like I've got a tear or I had an episiotomy or I had a C-section. It's a psychological trauma um, a lot of the time. And one in 10 are leaving with actual ptsd so that's it's huge the numbers are huge um and i really am am not looking forward to seeing those numbers after this pandemic and that whole situation where we haven't been able to have you know out the support people that we want all of our appointments are being uh online or on phone calls rather than in person so you're not even seeing your midwife in person um, a lot of the time or until you're like 32 weeks or 34 weeks, which is super late. Um, so I'm not looking forward to seeing that. But I, I guess the benefit is that a lot more people are doing um, antenatal childbirth education classes. So they're kind of learning some things they wouldn't normally be learning, yeah. um, which is really good. We had um, Stacey from the Milk Project this morning talking because she 
has given yeah. birth and she's in Melbourne where they're having like one of the harshest, you know, lockdowns and restrictions in place. Yeah. And she was talking about how with the midwife visits, they would call you at the front of the house and like the scales would be put on the floor or something and the baby would be put and then she'd kind of leave. Um, and then I know that there's a lot of horrible stories coming out worldwide where um, like partners or doulas aren't allowed in the room. And some of that, I don't understand it because like you're going, you're taking your baby home to your partner, for example. So how is that helping out? <laughs> I know we can rant about that. And the doula, it doesn't make sense. And the doula is with them up until they're at the hospital. They're still with yeah. them and after. So it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And this, oh, the partners can only stay two hours after birth. Like you've just, who knows how long your labor was. If you've been traumatized in your labor, you so can't I even can't debrief even it. That happening to me. No. So you can't even debrief what had just happened with your mm. partner. It's bizarre, but that's okay because we can go to a pub with 10 people or we can go to Bunnings with a thousand other people and that's perfectly safe yeah. or the, you know, the football can continue yeah. and all of this stuff. But it's like, as usual, the women and children are at the bottom. They're at the bottom of the priority list. Um, and you can see that it's not even being spoken about by by anybody, mm-hmm. like in, in, any, in any political party. There was even that ridiculous story that about. came out where uh, the mother who birthed in New South Wales, I think it was, baby needed yep. to go to Queensland Hospital and they wouldn't let her across the border. And then we yep. had to have freaking petitions yep. about it to get anyone to listen. And that baby, that baby was close to yeah. death. That baby could have died and had no, had no the, the mother couldn't even be with them how how was the baby being fed how is that going to affect their the baby's attachment the mother's attachment her mental health the baby's mental health for the rest of their lives Mm. so much harm and yeah really is unnecessary and it's just because of ridiculous rules and regulations where we're treating people like numbers and we're treating them like statistics and we're not actually looking at them as real life people um which is so frustrating when we have all of these studies actually talking about the benefits of keeping them together and of developing a secure attachment. We know this, yet people are still choosing to ignore it. And it's a choice. They know this. It is a choice. It's ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it took a petition for them to say, oh, really? You want to be near your baby? Like, that's a surprise. And like, I just, I can't imagine what those parents would have been going through what that baby would have been going through. And they might say, and I I saw comments, Oh, it's only a couple of days. It's for everyone's benefit, blah, blah, blah. No, that is not for a couple of days. That is going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And nobody's looking at Mm. that. No one's looking at that. So frustrating. It makes me so sad. I was so heartbreaking that story in particular. Um, and yeah. I know that you're pregnant now during this as well. So have you found that anything's been different yes. for you so far? Uh, not for me. Um, I'm home birthing, oh, so I'm it's yeah, very I'm different. I'm actually really glad to see yeah. how home birth goes for you. That's something that I'm so interested. Like, I would love to do that, but I just yeah. can't. Something, <laughs> something's holding me back. Yes. It, yeah, and it, that, it's the same for a lot of people. It's... Um, it's been really good because I don't have to go to the hospital. I just, my midwife came to my house yesterday and, you know, listened to baby and my son, my toddler was there. I have a three-year-old and he was there and he was helping with, 
you know, the Doppler and he was feeling my belly and he was talking to the midwife and it's just very family centered. Um, We've been pretty lucky with um, ultrasounds. My first ultrasound, uh, Matt wasn't allowed to come, um, which really made me angry. It made me really angry, not only for me, but for all of the other mothers that, you know, like, and, I actually don't understand and, why. It makes no sense. Especially in in those early days when, you know, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage mm. and you don't know what you're walking yeah. into. Like, you don't know if your baby's, if you're going to see a heartbeat on the screen. And then what? That has happened already. So I you have to sit there. About that already. Yeah. She had to go through it alone. Yeah. yeah. And that's disgusting. It's disgusting. I'm sorry, but what is one more person? And that's the father of that child as well. Like he's missing yeah. out on that and you're missing out of having support and God forbid if something's found that's, you know, that's not right or that's not supposed to be there or, you know, there's a hundred things that could happen and you have no one. Mm. So how is that then going on to affect the rest of the mm. pregnancy? And we um, know that whatever so that was experienced, yeah. even in the womb, that child is feeling that stress and that yes. also is going to have an Absolutely. impact on them and we know that there's even that like uh what's the term epigenetic linkage to yes. trauma it's like intergenerational yep. trauma like this is happening right now we are at the start of yep. this pandemic's intergenerational trauma effects mm-hmm. yeah we are and it's imprinted it's imprinted on them like their birth experience is imprinted on them it's and it's something that um i see a lot that you know a lot of people are like oh well um, yeah, I was severely traumatized. Like now it's this, it's this, um, I think we were talking about this toxic positivity. Yeah. Um, and I, I was speaking to a, a midwife that I chat to, uh, she's in Canberra often on Instagram about this, this toxic positivity in, in, in labor. And it's like, nobody can, they can't say that it wasn't a positive experience. They have that it has to be positive all the time no matter what happened you can you know be given an episiotomy with no consent you can have your baby pulled from you with forceps you can have you know um all of these things being treated horribly by staff uh have your partner not be allowed to stay past two hours all of these things really horrible traumatizing things to happen and and they'll say, they'll say this story. They'll say, this is what happened to me. And then at the end, they'll say, but it's okay because my baby's healthy and I'm okay. So it was really positive. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not even like they can work through the trauma because they haven't acknowledged that it was traumatic because of this toxic positivity kind of thing that's going around at the moment. Everything's positive birth, positive birth, positive birth. When you can't have a positive birth if you go in uninformed, unsupported, um, and and no plan. Like it, it, you, you can't yeah. <laughs> because it, to have a positive experience, you have to be the one that's making the decisions. Yeah. And if you you're handing all that control over to someone, you're not making those decisions. Um, yeah, and and that is imprinted on on their baby. So um, Jane Hardwick Collings is an amazing woman she's like the grandmother Mm -hmm. of birth um and she's on instagram and she's everywhere she's doing courses i'm doing her e-course at the moment 
Um, but she talks about this, this epigenetics, this imprinting and how you're born affects the rest of your life. So it's not this, oh, it's okay, it's over now. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not over. You've got to heal. You've got to heal from these things. And to be able to heal, you have to acknowledge. Yep. And to be able to acknowledge, you have to be informed. So, yeah, it's this It's yeah, like with it's any cycle. form of trauma. You can't just tell people to get over it. And I think yeah. and when we were talking about that toxic positivity, it's just because everyone around you is uncomfortable with that. They're uncomfortable yes. with you having an emotion that isn't happy. Because how dare you be a human yes. and experience a full range of emotions. Yep. And so it's just yep. about um, also then we have to be conscious about who we're going to for support because yeah. if you know someone's all about toxic positivity, uh, <laughs> not all about, they don't know it, right? <laughs> but, you know, if you yeah. have someone that you know is like that and is always like live, laugh, love and everything's great, like just yeah. get over it. Like yeah. cure your depression by just eating right and going and talking to your friends and doing this. Take deep breaths. Um, don't yeah. go to them. <laughs> like go find yeah. someone that's actually yeah. going to listen. If you have a GP that like brushes you off and doesn't listen to you, go find another one. I think we forget that we have a lot yeah. of choices in this as well. And it took me a long time that for that as well, because I think we're raised to be like polite and not question anyone. Um, and and good you're allowed girls. to you have to be a good yeah. girl. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm spending my next two Mondays finally writing or continuing that book called good girl. <laughs> it, it, the depths of it is insane, especially for women. Yeah, it is. And there's this once again, that Jane Hardwick Collins, she's great. If you're, you know, looking into um, you know, the history of women and, and why we are the way that we are and why we are, we do feel like we have to be polite and how we're going into, um, for example, birth with birth preferences or birth mm-hmm. wishes rather than a plan. Um, and it's all about that, oh, well, we don't want to put anyone offside and we don't want to upset anyone. We don't want to be confrontational. Um, Jane Hardwick Collins wrote um, an ebook called The Herstory, which is nice. Um, but it's it, it's got a it's hard copy a, now. I actually ordered it the short, other day. Yeah, yeah. I, I just listened to the um, the audio book again the other day because reading is what now. But um, yeah, and just just listening to it, I was so angry. Mm. I was like, this. It just makes so much sense to me why I feel the way that I feel and I say the things that I say and I really have to be, um, you know, more conscious of the words that I'm using and, and, you know, the intention behind them. And um, yeah. And as you were saying with the, the GPs and the professionals and going to people, I had postnatal anxiety, which I didn't know until many months later. Um, And I did, I went to see my GP and I said, I think we were talking about this mm-hmm. on your podcast. Um, and, I, and I said to him, I was there for my, for my son. I don't remember. I don't, he probably had a cold or something. And I was there for my son. And, and he was like, oh, and how, how are you going? And I said, oh, well, I've been looking online and I've spoken to a couple of people. And I think that I have postnatal anxiety, which was huge for me. It was huge for me to say that. to any, I hadn't even said that to my husband. Like, it, it was huge for me to say that. And he said, oh, that, like, that's no good. We'll have to talk about that another time, though, because I don't have time today. And I didn't. I didn't see anyone else. I didn't talk about it again to any professional um, until, like, I was talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
it was it made me it made me kind of like go back inside and there's so many there's so many of those professionals that uh, women go to with birth trauma and they'll they'll go to counselors they'll go to psychologists and um and they'll they'll start to talk about their birth trauma and they're even the professionals will say to them but you're alive like you're alive and your baby's alive like you should be thankful because not everybody is that just because i'm traumatized doesn't mean i'm not thankful that yes i have a living and breathing child (laughs) and it's that it's that re-traumatizing for them it's being told well you shouldn't be feeling this way you don't you don't have a right yeah. it's not just now it's, right. it's like the a way that you feel now like how you said re-traumatizing it's yeah. like now it's more than the thing that happened because all these extra yeah. things on top of that are happening absolutely it is it is so you really have to be um you know do lots of research into who you're talking mm-hmm. about uh, who you're talking to about trauma um yeah it's it's sad yeah. it's and it's, it angers me. I know. It makes me really angry. I'm very I know, fired I up. I feel it. Like I, I, I've it's... been having to calm myself down because I know we could get really amped up. I know. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah, totally. Because we're passionate about it. But that's also because we've yeah. got some sort of experience with it. And then we're also working with yeah. families that are experiencing it too. And it's just so frustrating when you see the system being so broken. And it's yeah. hard, right? Because it's I want to, on one side, be like, I'm one person. I can't do anything. But on the other side, it's like, no, that's the point. We just need lots of one people. If there were lots more of one people. And like, that's part of why we're doing this today, right? It's like, if we're all coming together and talking about it, surely that's going to have some sort of impact, even if it's one person that's in this group right now, listening to things like following along, that it changes. Um, And then if everyone's watching this, we're all going away and talking about what we've listened to and learned about today and then also and then also being able to be more empathetic when somebody else comes to you and says i i had this really horrible experience rather than saying oh but it's okay because it's all worth it in the end that's you being uncomfortable with that person yeah it is it is and sometimes you shitty that that happens that's really shit just say that exactly right just acknowledge that that's all you have to say it's all you have to say. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. That was and it's really not shit. To fix it shouldn't have happened. We get uncomfortable, no. and we also are like, "Oh, I can't fix it. Like, what do I do?" But it's yes. just about holding space for someone. There's that term, holding just space, being there. You're just being there, and yes. like silence is okay. Like, wait for them to respond or talk to you. Like, you don't have to fill the silence with your noise. Just yes. like it's, it's like how I talk about treating your children when they've got big emotions. Just acknowledge. Yes how they're feeling and validate their experience. Acknowledge, I can see you're really upset you experienced that. That was shit. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And then right. just let them talk and this as much is, as they I, need to. I, I, I talk to my husband about this all the time. And I think that it's more I'm I'm stereotyping, but I think it's a male thing that they're they want yeah. to fix things all yeah. the time. They're, it's just they're always like I I they are uncomfortable yeah. with that being like they're the protector. They want to fix things. And when I, I complain about something, he's like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do anything yes. about it. I don't want to do anything. I just want you to say, I'm sorry. That's really yeah, shit. I've, that's I it. It's so hard for him. I don't want solutions. I'm just venting. Yes. And then he appreciates that because he's <laughs> yes. like, oh, okay. And then he gets into the zone of like listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I have to do the same thing. 
he's learning and he'll start to say something. I look at him, I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. And he's like, okay, you just want to talk. Yes. I just want to talk. I want to whinge about something. And I want you to say, I'm sorry that but happened. That's, our that's way it. Of processing, that's right? I, I think you're like me, like we're talkers. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I'm yeah. processing something. And a lot of the times just when I'm talking about it, I'll come up with my own either yeah. like coming off brainstorming ideas or realizing more of the deeper issue. And um, yeah. like, that's what ha- helped me a lot. So I've, I'm still struggling to say that I experienced birth trauma, even with my second pregnancy, that's something I need to delve deeper into. But um, yeah, because my first birth went exactly how I wanted, minus it being three days long. It, I had the water birth and everything I wanted. Um, and then with my second, it was again three days long, which put me in a bad mood. And so I wasn't able to be as calm as I would have. Um, I was already tired because yeah. I already had a toddler. And so the three days made it even suckier. And so by the end of it, yeah. um, thing was always, as long as mom and baby are fine, don't touch. But then I wasn't fine. And then my husband helped me realize, because I was like crying, I was a mess. Um, and then I had yeah. an epidural, which I never thought I would have had, but it was a good decision for me in that moment. Yeah. However, getting before that point, um, the doctor or whoever it was, I still haven't fully talked about this only because I don't want it to be too graphic, but they laid me on the table and I was saying I didn't want it. Um, cause they want to check me, even though this whole time they told me they weren't going to check me because my waters had broke and you weren't supposed to do that, which is why I wasn't allowed a water birth, yeah. why they won't check me. They still did it regardless and announced that I was a four. And so that was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. I was literally tearing into my husband's hands as I'm lying on this table, having full on contractions, seriously sobbing, like bawling my eyes out while this doctor is forcing her hand inside of me. And it was so bad that the midwife, I had a male midwife who was angel set from above. I swear he was the best midwife I had. And he gave her a look and he knew that it was wrong. Um, and she yeah. apologized to me in that moment. She knew she had messed up. Yeah. Like I could see it's in her like face you knew before faces that they knew that shouldn't have happened, but they still, she still did it yeah. in the moment and no one stopped her in the moment from my memory anyway. Um, which is almost, it, I mean, it's almost just as bad as for, for those. And it's hard, like I, it's hard for yeah. them to stand up to, a, a doctor, a midwife to stand up to a doctor. Because it was um, unnecessary. Is, there was no point in checking yeah, me. There yeah. really wasn't any point. Yeah. No, and especially telling you that you're only a four. It's, I gave birth yeah, two hours later. Like, so what yeah, I've learned about yeah. my body is I take forever in the lead up and then bam, it happens. So like with my first, yeah. we rocked up and I was 10 and I got into the water and was like ready to go. And yeah. so I think I do go from say a four to a 10 in like an hour but also you don't yeah. no one was listening to me that second time around and I was explaining I'm a long laborer this happened with my first like literally the same thing's happening yeah my contractions are all over the place and, and then bam it happens by textbook standard and then you don't feel you don't feel that you're the people in the room trust yeah. you or believe you and that's that's a whole that's not going to mm. help that doesn't help dilation it actually sets yes. it back we go into this fight or flight response when we have this and you know this fear tension pain syndrome which is this cycle of when we feel fear and it only has to be perceived it doesn't need to be real a real fear it doesn't need to be somebody mm-hmm. coming at you with scissors yeah it can just be the environment it can be the person that's in the room with you like that doctor a perceived fear 
then leads to your whole body tensing and then the tension produces pain Mm. and then it's this and then you're scared because you're in pain where you weren't before and it's just Mm. this cycle um that they're perpetuating and then they're they're then complaining that you're not progressing quickly enough when the reason you're not progressing is because of them so it's yeah, it's it's a very hard thing to navigate. And my um, saving grace in that moment was yeah. the wife that I had because um, yeah. all of us after because I also had my sister and my friend who's a, a photographer. So there was like, and then my husband. So I had three people in the room as well going through this three yeah. three day long labor with me. Um, and yeah. then I just didn't realize how much I needed that midwife in my life. And I think he did a really good job. Mm saving my birth experience because I can still look back and think it was a great experience because it was actually cool. Like my um, epidural worked amazingly. Like I, I, I was like, Oh, I get it. Yep. Like this was the right choice for me right now. Cause I needed to be calm. Yeah. Cause it wasn't the pain. It Especially was, after was three tired. days. Yeah. Like, it of wasn't course. the pain. It was just being tired and a few other, and my emotions, like I was yeah. just gone. And so then I was able to rest yeah. for a minute. And then my husband held the mirror and I, and the midwife was really good getting me to like feel down there. And then that was a funny thing in itself yeah. to go through. Cause you're not used to you know, touching your yeah. vagina. <laughs> yeah. And a and head being there. So that's it awesome. turned around to be a great experience, but right in the middle, there's yeah. still that crap part. Um, and my, I'm actually, exactly. at the moment, not that you can tell. And so whenever I talk about it, yeah, I get the trembles and that's me knowing yeah. that, there is something that I still need to process through myself as well. And see, you can, you can have, you, that can happen. It doesn't need to be the entire birth experience was traumatic for you or that, you know, you had an epidural or whatever. You can have a, you can have a completely non-traumatic C-section. Yes. Like it, it doesn't matter what happens along the way, as long as you were the one that was making the yes. decisions and you were on board with everything that was happening. And it wasn't, happening to you Mm. that you were the one that was that was going through it and you were the one that was making the decisions and that in the driver's in that moment you weren't yeah and in that moment you weren't and that doctor was and she knew she was wrong but that doesn't take away your trauma and then you think did she ever think about that again yeah or are we just left with this Mm. are we just left Mm. with it um which also makes me angry Mm. Yeah, you're it's, right. Yeah, it's not fair. Think about that. They just do this thing, and even yeah. if they know they messed up, they leave. And so it's like, where's the follow-up? They don't up? think about it where's again. follow-up with that? Yeah. There should be a system where you go, yeah. okay, this traumatic thing just happened. Either I made a mistake and I'm owning up to it, or this went against her wishes, or an actual medical reason, but it was still yeah. traumatic. Like, okay, we need to talk this mom and up who knows? And And who knows what, even if she had have debriefed with you yeah. afterwards and said, Crystal, like I made, you know, a rash decision in the spur of the moment and I know that it's not what you wanted and I'm really sorry. Who knows what that, what difference that would have made. Because you're so vulnerable in that state as well. Two minutes. You are the most vulnerable you'll ever be. And that moment would have been a couple of minutes of my labor too. And it was that impactful that it's the first time I've really talked about it. And my my legs are still shaking as I remember it. Yeah, I'm. I am really sorry, because that's not that's not right, and you deserved better. And it's you know, it doesn't have to be. Sometimes your birth can go exactly to plan. 
you plan your birth and it was exactly what you wanted and you still be traumatized by something. So it's, I also feel like sometimes we take on too much responsibility. Like this is what I asked for. or I said yes to this. So how can I be traumatized? That's such a good point you make. Um, And and we just get that in parenting. It's like, Oh, it's so funny you say that this isn't uh, birth or postpartum related really, but it's parenting related is I struggled with that thought process when I had my kids and I struggled because I thought I was going to be a domestic goddess uh, and the perfect housewife and stay at home mom that would love it, enjoy it. And everything would be perfect, clean house, blah, blah, kids eating healthy, blah, blah, perfectly behave. I really had set that up in my mind that I was going to be able to do it all perfectly. Um, And then I realized how bloody hard it actually is to be a parent. (laughs) and how I do not keep a very clean house at all, then I was thinking, but I chose this. Like I chose to have children. Yeah. Um, And that doesn't mean that it was the wrong choice either. We just sometimes have a false perception on how things should be. And like you said, it's the positivity that we're surrounded by. And you know what? I saw this thing the other day. Maybe you even posted it. I'm not sure. I saw this thing the other day that said, that even oh, that people say that because you chose to be a stay-at-home parent, you can't complain yeah. about it. You can't, it can't be wrong. But yet if I choose to be a CEO of a huge company, I can still complain about mm-hmm. my job. I can still go home to my husband and say, oh, this employee was really mean to me or was you know really rude to me today or nobody was listening to me or in the board meeting um, you know, the, the technology wouldn't work. And I'm so frustrated. And I had a really shit day and nobody would ever say anything. They're not going to say, well, you chose that job. You should be grateful. You have that. So job you can't that complain about it now. Technology. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So you can't complain about it. But then when you're a stay at home mm. parent, it's like, well, you're lucky you get to stay home and, um, you chose to be a stay at home parent. You could just go out and work. Why? So that I can go out and work and then expect to mother like I'm not working and work like I'm not a mother. It's not, there's no, there's no easy job. It's not an easy job being a parent and working or being a stay at home parent. Um, And just because you leave your house to go to a job doesn't mean a a parent staying at home isn't working in that sense. Because anyone that's taking care of kids for 24 hours knows how full on it is. You don't get a lunch break. I love going to work. That's my break now. Going yeah. to work at my yeah. job is my break. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You're, you are, and I think that people devalue like mothering yeah. or parenting anyway. You are raising the next yes. generation and what you do at home is going to make a huge difference to the world in 20 or 30 mm. years. How you raise your children, what kind of attachment they had you know, um, whether you've worked through your own trauma or you're projecting it onto them and then what, you know, their behavior triggering you and then you triggering each other. So it's, it's such a learning curve. And I I saw that you were talking, I think you were talking, is it Tiffany? Um, About resilience. Did I get it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. About resilience and how, and how it's this constant learning Mm -hmm. between them and you. And it's not, it's not, you just teaching them like I've learned so much in during my pregnancy I've learned so much from uh, about myself during my birth and how I'm a completely new person but it's not the wrong person Mm. it's not like it's you know we put so much pressure on ourselves to bounce back and 
I literally, like, look at my floor, okay? So I'm, I have, I've just pulled everything out of my closet that I haven't worn in the last three years or four years, like, since I was pregnant with Mav, that I've kept telling myself, oh, it's okay, I'll go to the gym yeah. and I'll, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that to, to get back into these clothes because I loved mm. the clothes. But every time I open my wardrobe, I'm like, well, this doesn't fit me. This doesn't fit me. This doesn't fit me. And then it makes me upset. Mm. So why am I doing it to myself over and over again? I need to remove it. And I think that we have to accept that we might not look exactly the same. We might not feel exactly the same after birth, but it doesn't, that's not necessarily a bad mm. thing. I love my body now. I do. I love my body. I love that I have, you know, hips and I love that I have a bum and, you know, I could maybe shave some centimeters off my thighs, but I, it's, I'm okay yeah. with that at the moment. And I'm pregnant now and my body's growing again. And it's like my ribs never really went back to how they were. Like I was the same size and weight for a couple of months after I had Mav and then breastfeeding eating happened. But, um, but I, I went back, I was even, I weighed less than what I did before I was pregnant with him in that first six mm. or eight weeks postpartum. Um, and my clothes still didn't yeah. fit me because my body was yeah. completely different. And I think that there's just this, there's so much pressure. I saw a headline today from Katy Perry. Um, some, I don't know if you saw it, you've been busy today, but <laughs> I've seen there's, today. <laughs> um, there was this, there was this headline today from this news place that said, Oh, Katy Perry is back on, I think it's on the voice or something. And, do you know the headline was check out that uh, postpartum body bounce? So back. annoying. She's six. She's six weeks postpartum, yeah. and she's leaving her baby to go to work. Um, and she's being scrutinised by the media because what would have happened if she did look a little heavier? Mm. What would have been said about her? So who knows what she's done in these past six weeks? you know, to try to get that body back because she's in, in, in the public eye and what, what toll has that taken on her relationship with her? Ch I mean, I'm just I know. Yeah. speculating. And was it, but, um, but Beyonce, didn't she have that documentary about how she was on a ridiculous diet where she yeah. only ate apples or something insane and she had twins. Yeah. Isn't it, am yeah, I remembering twins. this right? Yeah. Um, and it's like, who yeah. are we doing this for? Um, uh, if you haven't listened to it, we were talking about this this morning. Um, Rochelle from How to Live Slow, we were literally talking about this and she was talking about how, like, you need to think, who are you doing this for? Whose expectations are you mm -hmm. meeting right now? Because a lot of the time, it's not your own, it's not your deep inner, like, moral compass or what's truly valuable to you, it's yeah. someone else projecting that onto you or it's like the societal issues and, and you can listen yeah. to us all day talking about how it's like a capitalism issue and, like, but it is. Like who created this world and whose standards we meet up to? It's so ridiculous. There's there are some there are some cultures that worship women in that postpartum period. They don't lift a finger for forty yeah. days. They don't they don't leave that it's in the bed near the bed. Uh, what is it in the bed? Near the bed in the bedroom mm -hmm. or something. So they're on. They're, they don't leave the bed. The meals are brought to them for a week and then they stay around the bed. So they're just looking after themselves and baby and then they don't, they don't cook. They don't clean. They don't do anything for 40 days because those cultures value what the mother is doing in healing herself, in, in feeding her baby and, and caring for her baby and 
realizing her baby's cues and all of these really important things that are just not valued by Western cultures. I think people forget what a serious um, and then, thing it is yeah. to be pregnant and give birth. It's yeah. um, like once upon a time before Huge. we had our medical, like thank goodness for the, the medical teams that we have now, but it was life-threatening. There were very high yeah. statistics of yeah. babies and or mothers passing away during birth. It is actually really serious. And I know we have some pregnant women watching, yeah. including you. I'm not trying to scare you and saying, I'm just saying <laughs> that we've lost that connection, I think, because we're blessed with, um, you know, the science that we have in the uh, medical industry that we have, that we've forgotten that it's still really important to heal. And I remember things like bending down to tie a shoelace. I was like, my, my stomach feels weird. Like yeah. I, I, my sister even admitted that she was like two years. It took her, she felt like her body to get back to somewhat normal, yeah. like that she could recognize. Cause you go through huge changes. Like you've literally grown an entire human huge. being. <laughs> Some people say that their feet are complete, completely oh, yeah. different sizes after pregnancy. I went up a shoe size. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we also have to, going back to, you know, um, that, you know, people still are kind of scared of, and I think that a lot of that fear comes from generational mm. trauma of women dying and babies dying in childbirth. But if we go back a little bit further before we burned the witches and we got rid of all of these midwives yeah. and wise women because they were the, they were yeah. devils. They were, you know, preaching the work of the devil. Before that, that didn't happen. Mm. It was, you know, you know in um, the, the Greek forefathers that wrote a lot of medical science, like the very beginnings yeah. of medical science. They already knew it. They never, they, they didn't. Yeah, and they didn't even, this was around 3000 BC from my understanding, from what I teach in my hypnobirthing courses, around 3000 BC. So they started um, extensive writing on childbirth and in their extensive writing, they never once, once even mentioned pain. Mm. They, never, they never once wrote about it. It was just this normal state of what your body is going through. And then, you know, all of these things happened and religion, you know, ch changed things, you know, the, the questionable, uh, you know, things that not necessarily written in the Bible, but people say yeah. about the Bible, about the curse of Eve and all of these things. And then burning all the witches and all the wise women and all the midwives. And then it's all the, this wisdom yeah. is lost. And then, and then it was the job of the shepherd to assist women with their birth birth was then taken out of the home and put into a hospital which at that time were really terribly dirty places mm. they had no they had no um understanding of hygiene they were going from the morgue where people were dying mm -hmm. from infections and then going to help women birth their babies and the man which i can't remember his name but there was a man who actually said hey maybe we should wash mm -hmm. our hands like all of these people, these yeah. women and babies are dying. They used to call it childbirth fever. And so all of these women and babies are dying. Like, do you think that maybe it has something to do with like cross-contamination of dead bodies and then you touching women? They took him to a mental hospital and beat him to death for having that thought, for saying, hey, we should wash our hands. So this is how... 
it's just this this ego has just taken over like nobody knows better than me definitely women don't know their own yes and definitely women don't know their own bodies better than me like what do you mean like I'm the professional so and you experienced that they didn't believe you they didn't trust in your body and the way that you birth which you knew but we have that Um, now it just looks because it, it so we're, we're not yeah. going oh, and definitely. death. We're just calling them conspiracy yes. theorists or woo-woo yes. or hippie. Uh, those are three that come to yeah. my mind. That we're, we, so we just label people because and anything... stuff them in like the crazy bin and we don't listen to them. Yes. And then some people now are anything coming out of that's alternative. But... Yeah. Anything that's alternative is automatically... Uh, like that's not for me, that's woo, Um, you know, you've heard it all, but it works so. Mm. And, I mean, we're all here because of women giving birth. I said that to someone the other day, and I was like, it's ridiculous that we let men rule the world. Women literally rule life. We are the ones growing and birthing humans. And we just don't give ourselves enough credit for that because, like we were saying before, good girl, we've been taught to be humble and small and not talk. Yeah. And until the Bronze Ages or the Iron Ages, women were the leaders. Mm. Women were in power. They were worshipped. Men couldn't own land without women. They were, men didn't have much sway over anything um, until the, that Iron Age um, when they kind of yeah, and, and guess who was changed everything. In history lessons. <laughs> Yeah, of course not. That's why I read yeah. the history. Yeah. But, like, it's ridiculous. 50% of the population, right, are female. And this affects, mm-hmm. like, so many of us. And it's going to affect our daughters and or nieces. And, yes. oh, gosh. Definitely. Yeah, it's time for change. Definitely. Mm. It is. And kind of to to kind of, we've been talking about trauma and stuff, just want to touch on a couple of things that, prevent it yeah <laughs> um so to prevent trauma you need to be informed yes. and you need to get information from places that aren't biased mm. so if the only place that you're getting your information is from the hospital you're birthing at whether it be your midwife your doctor or even the antenatal classes that are at the hospital that's biased information and they're telling you what they want you to know. So independent childbirth education is super important. There's a whole range of different programs um, that tell you all of the information, all of your rights, all of your choices. Um, So the one obviously that I know is Hypnobirthing Mm -hmm. Australia, which is the one that I am a practitioner for. And we go through all of this. We go through all of the rights of the childbearing woman uh, we talk about maternal decision-making and how there's mat- maternal decision-making guidelines, which I actually recommend mums to download off the internet. It's 10 guidelines, super easy to read, and attach it to your birth plan just so that your care provider knows that you know what your rights are. Very powerful. They, don't, it, they, they might not even necessarily read through them with you or anything, but they know what they are. Um, it's really important for you to birth somewhere where you feel comfortable, safe and supported. So that whether that be at home with a private midwife, a private hospital with an obstetrician or a public hospital with midwives, 
it's really important that you're not just going with a mode of care because your sister did or your, or your, your best friend did. So interview these people, talk about what their birth philosophy is, and it's never too late to change. So if you get to the 36, 37, 38-week mark and your obstetrician is all of a sudden saying, um, actually, no, um, I want you to, or we recommend everybody having an epidural, actually, no, I don't think that you're a good candidate for a water birth because of your BMI. No, I don't. Um, all of oh, these things, all of these things, <laughs> all of these things um, that they had previously agreed on and now they're kind of, they're doing the bait and switch. It's never too late to say, well, I'm going somewhere mm. else. I want somebody else. And that's part of the decision-making guidelines. If they cannot support you in what you're asking for, it is their responsibility to find someone who oh. can. So it's, it's not even up to you. Um, it, it's their responsibility to find some, some, uh, somebody who can support you in what your wishes are. Um, so yes, education, getting the education from, uh, reliable sources that are unbiased support, making sure that your birth partner, whether that be your husband or boyfriend or partner, um, or your mom or your sister or your auntie, whoever your birth partner is making sure that they are informed about mm -hmm. the things on your birth plan, about the things that you want and how to support you in labor. Because we know that we are so yeah. vulnerable in labor and any little, um, uh, any little comment that's made by anyone, we, uh, most of us will just say, okay. Yeah. Because you're just in a state where you, you're just that vulnerable. Yeah. It's, that it's you, almost you like can't, you can't give informed yeah. consent because you're not in the, yes. you're not capable of it. I know. Yeah, I'm that, that's a whole. That's a, I feel like yeah, the that's, second line. Yeah. There's so much more I know we can talk yeah. about. <laughs> informed consent. Um, so having your birth partner really informed about what you want, why you mm -hmm. want it, and have them make sure that they are capable to advocate for that when you can't. So we'll t we talk about in hypnobirthing about the, the partner being the neocortex because you can't be at that time. So they're the logical, they're the thinking, they're asking questions, they're um, you know, making sure that everything that's happening is in your best interest and in baby's best interest. Um, so yes, information and support are the two biggest ones and a plan. So I, I see a lot of people saying, um, birth doesn't go to plan so there's no point having a plan you're just going to be disappointed there is always a plan it just depends whether it's your plan or your care provider's plan okay so if it, if you don't come in telling them what you want they say okay we'll do the same thing as we've done for the last 100 women so we'll offer you an epidural we'll give you the syntocinin we'll give you the synto shot for the placenta um, we'll put continuous monitoring on you and we'll come in every four hours and give you a vaginal examination because they don't know what you mm. want. So we can't even really be too upset with that because we haven't told yeah. them. So have a birth plan, not only a birth plan, but a postpartum plan. So instead of going on Pinterest and pinning, you know, nursery color schemes, um, check out some postpartum meals 
uh, and we want to be eating like healthy, really warm, rich mm. foods. Bone broth is amazing. Um, having some meal plans. There's a website um, that you can organize meal trains with your family and friends. So you register for a meal train and then everybody goes onto the website and registers to bring you a That's meal so on a certain cool. day. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many different things that you can do postpartum for meal planning, and uh, having a breastfeeding or a feeding plan. Tip. Make sure you can eat the meal. Yes. <laughs> lots of snacks, lots of snacks. Um, smoothies are really good, but we, we really want to keep them like room temperature or, uh, warm ideally because we want warm nourishing foods for our body um, and also making sure that you have the support around you if you don't have family or friends around you there are postpartum doulas um, and they'll come the postpartum uh, doula that I personally I have hired she's called the 40-day doula and she comes I think over the 40 days it's like 56 hours of support so it's meals it's helping tidy the house it's um, letting me have a nap, letting me have a shower, um, you know, folding some washing and just being so there as another woman to talk to. I can't wait. To so keep that the isolation. Go through this. Like, I'm just living my life yeah. through you right now. <laughs> and so I know if anyone else is watching, feel free to do that. You need to go over and start following Jamie. Speaking of, where can we uh, find you for more information? Uh, so my Instagram and uh, Facebook are both This Is What I Doula. Um, so I'm a pregnancy, birth and postpartum doula. And I also teach the Hypnobirthing Australia program. Um, and I also sell positive birthing affirmation mm -hmm. cards as well that um, I've kind of just designed with a graphic designer. So I'm pretty excited about those. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's really all about that information and support, whether it be through pregnancy, birth and postpartum. You really have to have a good team and some really good knowledge from good places. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're going to have this perfect birth because sometimes things uh, happen that are out of our control, but you're then in that space to say, I am doing everything possible to give myself and my baby the best birth with the circumstances that I have. And that's, you know, you can calmly meet your baby, whatever path that that takes. Um, and ideally without trauma and what stops that trauma in my opinion is that informed um, being informed about every step yes. of the way um, about every intervention that could happen um, you know your alternatives what alternatives you have um, and having that really great support person or people ideally people <laughs> you would have a team of support yeah. um, so that's what we really want to do we want to try to avoid that birth trauma to begin with so that we don't have to go through the postpartum anxiety, the depression, the PTSD, all of that afterwards. Mm. Um, and, and as I said in the beginning, you know, prevention is better than cure, especially with these kind of things. We want to enjoy, you know, those first few months and those years of our children's lives. And ideally we should be able to do that without feeling yeah, traumatized. Yeah, you've waited 10 or more months for this moment and it's well within your right yeah. to have has it the way you want it to be definitely and you're not asking too much you're very not reasonable. asking too very much reasonable expectations. <laughs> very reasonable yeah. yes well thank you so much for jumping on live with us today jamie i really appreciate it and make sure you go and follow no, thanks her for having and me. so you can live vicariously through her experience as well <laughs> <laughs> thanks christy